checking out college football on the West Coast. This is Get Off My Pylon, a look at the Pac-12 and more. Part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Here's your host, Matt Zimmer. Welcome to the latest edition of Get Off My Pylon College Football Podcast. This is your co-host, Matt Zemick, with co-host Alex Blau. Rivalry week, USC, UCLA. We also have Showdown Saturday in the Pac-12. The week has arrived. USC, UCLA at 8 p.m. Eastern, Utah, Oregon at 10.30, Pac-12 after dark. The two best games on the docket. I mean, hey, we have a lot of great college Gridiron Coast to Coast podcasts. We're part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. You want to listen to Mark Rogers' Big Ten Paradigm. You want to listen to Patrick Netherton's Pigskin and Burnt Ends. That's Alex Blau's favorite. Here. Yep. Here. You want to listen here. to Florida here. Football Insiders and, and Jason Powers. And you want to listen to Big 12 Breakdown with Tyler Jones. And you want to listen to Yards and Stripes, the Service Academy podcast. You want to listen to all the great podcasts that are under the banner of College Gridiron Coast to Coast. But next week is Florida State, Florida. Next week. You have the rivalry games in the other conferences. But this week, it's USC-UCLA. This week, the Pac-12 has the best games on the map. So you want to get the inside knowledge from Alex Blau at Get Off My Pylon, part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. So Alex, as we begin our conversation on these two big games, these two huge moments near the end of a fascinating Pac-12 season, I think the first thing is, how much does the Travis Dye injury affect USC going into the game against the Bruins? You know, so Austin Jones, the other Pac-12 running back transfer from Stanford, he's he's next man up. He will have to replace Dye. Like how you're not going to get the full Travis Dye from Austin Jones. Can USC reasonably expect to get 50%, 60%? Just how big is Travis Dye's loss in this game? It's massive. First off, Matt, this has been a heck of a Pac-12 season. I don't think, especially going into the season, anyone expected us to have four top 12 teams going into the last week. Uh, yet, here we are as Pac-12, and now it appears that USC-UCLA is, is, is the big one for all the money, and Travis dies out. How big of an impact is it for USC? It's not, in my opinion. Sure, he was a massive part to bringing, bringing the iconic running game back to LA. Uh, but there's, it's, it's not just Austin Jones, as you mentioned, there's a young stud named Relief Brown that we've talked about a few times. And, and this is the opening that Relief needs to just take off and, and just run with it. This is a special kid that I think a lot of USC talent who have been, or a lot of the USC fans who have been watching know just how talented he is and uh, just how bright his future in the running game is. And plus, I think we've seen Caleb Williams really dictate with his legs recently. Um, I, I think you're going to see USC still manage a lot of a lot of rushes, especially when it comes to looking to get those first downs in the chunk yardage. They're going to rely on the run game again. Uh, it may just be coming from either Caleb, Relief, or Austin. All right, a, a follow-up question for you on the heels of that. How should Lincoln Riley utilize Relief Brown? Because, you know, you could say that this you give the rock to Austin Jones as a setback. You know, he's the guy who's going to get the handoffs, and you should use Relief Brown uh, as a pass catcher. You know, maybe get him matched on a UCLA linebacker on a wheel route. Use him as a wide receiver. Use his speed down the field to spread out the defense. Or do you, do you use him as a setback and see what he can do in terms of his burst you know, between the tackles, you trust that the offensive line is going to get the job done. And you say, hey, Austin Jones, 
you know, we're going to use you, but we're going to give some carries to Relique Brown in this game. How would you say uh, Lincoln Riley needs to use Relique Brown? I think I think we're going to see Relique do both, but when it comes to that downhill between the tackle running, we're going to see a lot of Austin Jones outside the tackle box, whether that sweeps, whether that's extending the play to, to move those linemen uh, east-west, get them moving vertically or horizontally, sorry. Uh, I think Relique Brown, it's going to be big screen passes, big, big sweeps, big uh, outside runs, whereas Austin Jones is going to be that follow the lineman and hit the hole down. All right. We're continuing to talk about, really, I mean, this conversation has quickly become a conversation about the USC offense against the UCLA defense. Let's follow up on one more thing. You know, USC fans, certainly older USC fans, like their religion has been student body right john robinson john mckay smash mouth punch you in the face uh you know let's just let those bruins eat dirt uh and just you know knocking them right between the eyes but lincoln riley you know he's cerebral and he's more modern and he loves to just you know carve people up with the downfield pass which you know caleb williams has done a lot of and he's very capable of doing it and UCLA secondary just got outworked by Arizona's passing game. Jaden Delora throwing to the three different great wide receivers, Dorian Singer, Tetraroy McMillan, uh, and Jacob Cowing. So, you know, the USC old-time religion is run the ball, punch him in the nose. But Lincoln Riley, hey, this might be a game where USC needs to score 50 points to win, and you just need to find ways to score as many points as possible. Where do you come down on that fundamental debate? Well, there's there's a few things that's going into this. I think Lincoln A knows that this is a big rivalry. This is, you know, Notre Dame is usually, I, I think if you talk to a lot of modern SC fans, given how UCLA's performed recently, Notre Dame is considered a big rival. But the fact is UCLA came into the Coliseum last year and whomped on, on the Trojans. Like it, it was, it was frankly. 62-33, a score every USC fan would love to forget, but. It's going to and be talked it, and it about wasn't all that this close week. for a lot of the game. Uh, so I think Lincoln knows he has to send that message. B, uh, this USC team is looked at kind of nationally as p- the potential frauds in the top 10, given they've played one ranked opponent. But people forget they lost by one. This is Lincoln's next opportunity and one of the few opportunities he has to go, hopefully the whole rest of this their season, you go UCLA, Notre Dame, Pac-12 championship and then potential is going to be ranked opponents. He needs to start showing we can win in a dominant fashion against offensive or against top 10 opponents, top ranked opponents. When it comes to this UCLA game, the Austin Jones or the Austin Jones, sorry, the Travis Dye loss. Sure. We taught, I, I still feel Lincoln is going to depend on the running game early. He's going to be trying to making it work. Um, I think he's going to see maybe that he's not getting the massive chunk plays that Travis Dye. We Travis Dye, broke off a lot of big runs. Uh, and I think we're going to see, he's going to try that. The quantity is going to be there. The results are not. And that's going to lead Caleb. A lot of the scoring plays are going to come through the air. All right. So let's flip this. But he's, uh, he's not going to, he's not going to hold back just to clarify. I, I, I don't care. I can't I don't imagine he, he would. He scores the points. I, I think, gonna, I think to make a statement. Yeah, I think the interesting thing will be, like, does he poke and prod early? Like, does he d- use short passes and safe plays and, and you know, like, just light? You know, like when, like when you go to the dentist, like the dental assistant uh, does the hard work, but then the, the chief dentist afterwards just lightly taps your teeth, make sure that the, that the dental assistant's heavy-duty work 
um, is okay. So like, is, does Lincoln Riley do that light tapping? Does he do, the, does, do, does he do the deep drilling right off the bat? Like, is he going for home run plays right off the bat or does he set things up? And he's because he, he tried to start ball control and then open up the offense or does he open up the offense right away and then get a lead and then focus on more of a ball control attack. It's going to be interesting to see how he sequences his plays against UCLA. You know, historically, I think we, we correlate these Lincoln-led offensive with the great quarterbacks. You have the Baker, you have the Kyler. If you look at any of them, even Caleb, all these offenses really start with the run game. If you open up with that play action, then get the deep ball. Can, can you make the linebackers fight up real early and open up that pass game? Uh, so I think we're going to see him try to get that started in the beginning. And then it's just going to have to be, can we rely on a healthy Jordan Addison and Mario Williams? Can Taj Washington have the breakout great season he's been having? Uh, Michael Jackson, yay! can he keep doing what he's been doing? And we'll see if USC UCLA is a thriller. Uh, it, would be a, it would be special on a national level if it was. All right, so let's flip this to the other side. The matchup between UCLA's offense and USC's defense. And so UCLA, this, this was remarkable, Alex. UCLA did not score 30 against Arizona. And Arizona had given up 45 or more in five of its previous six games. Arizona gave up 49 points to Cal. And UCLA could not score 30. Do, do we just attribute that performance by UCLA's offense to looking ahead to USC, just getting ambushed, you know, not taking Arizona seriously? You know, you know, USC mentally just kind of seemed to be on cruise control the past few weeks against Arizona, Cal, Colorado. UCLA seemed to be on cruise control as well. And unlike the Trojans, the, Bur the Bruins actually got burned. Do you think it was just a mental thing? Or should this raise real concerns for the Bruins heading into the USC game against Alex Grinch's defense? You know, watching this game, the big, the big concern for me was you and I spoke uh, I believe it was last week, and you had started to persuade me on a potential DTR Heisman campaign. I think that's out the window, <laughs> and it's mainly because I was I I had I had the uh, the blessed opportunity of having a USC game day on a Friday night, which was electric throughout the campus of LA. Uh, and Saturday, I had an open schedule to watch all these Pac-12 games. And DTR through the first half, it was almost as if he was he was afraid afraid to do anything besides take off or check down and the check downs were killing them because his stat line was fine he had about two incompletions i believe at one point he was even like nine for ten ten for eleven but the problem is this is for about 26 yards which is absurd you're just chewing clock you're not getting the first down you're wasting plays uh and it's a matter of if dtr looked that uncomfortable against arizona Maybe Alex Grinch can turn it around. You know what I mean? Also, I don't know if you saw this, Matt Zemeck. DTR after the loss, smiling, grinning, wide grins on the sideline. Did you see that? I, I did not. I mean, I saw him pretty oh. angry at, on a number of occasions I saw in that him, game. I saw him pretty happy. It, it, it appeared as if he was just laughing off the loss. And in my head, I was like, this is a, this is a pretty shocking sight. Well, maybe, well, you know. Audi you know audiences, audiences can look for it. Maybe he was just looking forward I know to USC. It's on the number of USC. I know it's on the number of USC fan accounts. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's it really does seem as though UCLA was caught looking ahead to USC. Let's, let's be real, because like any reasonably competent offense should be scoring in the upper thirties against Arizona. Great offenses should be scoring in the fifties or really high forties 
against Arizona. USC put up 45. And USC, you know, USC, when it scored 45 against Arizona, you know, should have been able to kick a field goal at the end of the first half. But, you know, hashtag Pac-12 reps. And USC also oh, dropped. Don't even get me started, Matt. USC also dropped a touchdown pass in that game against Arizona and missed a 39-yard field goal. USC should have had in the mid to upper 50s uh, against Arizona. So, like that would have been pretty much double what UCLA did, scoring 28 against the Wildcats. I think the other thing, the other big, really big question about this game, Alex, is you know the fact that UCLA as a team got caught looking ahead. Like, do you think UCLA plays, you know? maybe not its best game, but just, you know, at a relatively high level, or do you think that the, the uh, error has, has been taken out of the balloon already? Like which, which UCLA team do you think we're going to see on Saturday? I just, it's, it's a matter of if, if they were caught looking ahead, it seems like Chip Kelly gave off the entire team. Cause it wasn't just, you can't just point to one group. There were struggles on both sides. Jaden Delora looked fantastic. He had over 300 yards. He had two touchdowns, barely in completions. Uh, the DBs in UCLA were not playing well. The offense was not playing well. If if Chip Kelly just frankly didn't prepare at all for Arizona and had spent the entire week watching USC film, maybe I get it. But oh, well, you know, I, well, you I see, think the air's been. Def- you know that Chip Kelly he loves to focus on each week as you know he's he's one of those you know let's go one and zero this week uh, he is. coaches. So I, 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 but I know the thing is. The case, which, Human beings, human, hu- this is human nature. Those UCLA players, like, you know, that like, they had visions of sugar plums and USC dancing in their heads. It's just, it's, you know, it's just an honest reality. This, this is the biggest year. USC UCLA game since 2005 when UCLA had one loss and USC was unbeaten. Like, you know, the fact that this game is so large, you know, you just, I don't, there's only so much Chip Kelly could have, could have said. Like, you know, that Chip Kelly was just said, hey, it's this it's this week it's this game this is our super bowl against arizona uh and he could have said that until the cows come home but you know hey players don't listen you know there's only so much a coach can do i mean you're right the the rivalry is definitely renewed i don't know if it's ever been you know this big in the last decade um since i've been conscious watching the game uh but it's it's great for the pac-12 you know all all two years of uh, what's left of it <laughs> Uh, well, and hey, this brings up a point. I've been doing plenty of media hits with other uh, outlets, and one person said, "Hey, you know, do you think USC is going to get you know jobbed by Pac-12 refs?" And I made the point, "Hey, US- UCLA is going to the Big Ten too, so it's not as though the Pac-12 can, <laughs> is going to punish USC for leaving the Big Ten. US- UCLA is in the same boat. So, like that angle yeah. is not in play for this not, game. Not this weekend. No. All right, Utah, Oregon next, but first. College football fans, hey, it's rivalry week, USC-UCLA this week. Next week, we have Michigan-Ohio State, Florida State-Florida, so many other rivalry games. So, hey, you might want a ticket for the big rivalry game in your area. I want you to take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. So buying college football tickets online, especially for these rivalry games, you know that they're hot tickets in Los Angeles. USC, UCLA, uh, and, and everywhere else, there's going to be a rivalry game the next two weekends. You know, buying college football tickets online requires trust. Ticket Smarter is partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace. They've partnered with ESPN Events as an official ticket resale partner. So with the best selection of NCAA football tickets, hey, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country 
wherever you have your big rivalry game, experience the power and excitement of college football live. So purchase your rivalry game tickets or any other tickets. We also have conference championship games coming up. Purchase them quickly, securely, and at the best prices on the secondary market with the Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. And we have an additional offer for those listening to all our podcasts on the College Grid Iron Coast to Coast Network. Take 5% off your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON22 for 5% off your order of $100 or more. And it's not just a one-time thing. For as many, it's as for as many times you want this season. So check out the selections and pricing now with Ticket Smarter and the mobile app. And remember our code at College Gridiron Coast to Coast. That code is Gridiron22. Think smarter at Ticket Smarter. Okay, Alex. So, um, you know, it, this is part of the Pac-12's television deal being extremely dumb. Thank you, Larry Scott. But, you mm-hmm. know, there wasn't a there wasn't a contractual lock-in to make sure that one of these big games could be in the in the new 12:30 Pacific, 3:30 Eastern time slot. And you know, really, you're you're, you're young, Alex. I'm not. I'm old, uh, and I'm old enough to know that you know when I grew up as a kid in the early 1980s, you had Michigan Ohio State at at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, and then you'd have USC UCLA. Uh, at 3.30 Eastern, 12.30 Pacific, USC-UCLA always played in sunshine. Game was always so important. John Robinson versus Terry Donahue. Just a rite of passage, you know, for many decades that USC-UCLA with the gorgeous double home uniforms meant to play in that gorgeous Southern California sunshine, the great photography, the beautiful images. So, you know, these games are meant for the daytime, but here we are. USC UCLA in prime time, which, you know, okay, better than late night, but Utah and Oregon, you know, the second biggest game of the whole weekend gets saddled with Pac-12 after dark. No one in the East is going to see it, or at least, you know, only the, only the real junkies, only the real junkies are going to stay up for that one. And it's just a shame, but they're going to play the game and it's a pretty big one. You know, like USC UCLA teams are going to play their way in or out Pac-12 championship game. Um, so your overview of Utes Ducks, what are like the main things that you're looking at? And uh, while you you know think about your answer, I would just point out for our listeners here on Get Off My Pylon that much like UCLA uh, got ambushed at home by Arizona, Oregon got ambushed at home by Washington. So that's a natural talking point. Uh, anyway, like given all the, the the full backdrop, what's your Initial overview of Utes Ducks before we uh, peel away the layers of the onion and get go a little deeper into this matchup. Well, frankly, I thought the Oregon loss was not as bad of a look on Oregon as UCLA's loss was on UCLA. Now, am I am I being biased here, Matt? Simic? I'm not sure. No, I mean Arizona and Washington are two also, very different teams. And 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 frankly, also, you know, Bo Nix had to come out at the end for a little bit. He got back in there, but uh, he got back in there when it mattered. And and still, I thought I thought big drops cost Oregon the game late. I thought it was a very winnable game for Oregon late. Um, I was also a little surprised. I thought the Sea Oregon dropped to twelve. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that as well. Well, you know, Washington gave up 45 at Arizona State, gave up 40 at UCLA. I mean, this defense got lit up like a Christmas tree whenever it left Seattle. I mean, 
Washington gave up 21 it's, points it's, in Berkeley it's to true. Cal. I mean, giving up 21 or, to Cal is like giving up 42 to anybody else. So that well, defense I mean, was Oregon, bad away from Seattle. It, it was. And, and maybe that's what's convincing me because I, I look at the Oregon offensive performance. I kind of like what I saw. The Oregon defensive performance was uh, kind of absurd. Michael Penix Jr. looks like he should have won the Heisman's one week alone. Holy cow. 400 yards? 400 plus yards? Fire. Uh, the defensive Oregon is clearly facing issues that Cam Rising, I'm sure, is is licking his chops at watching the film from the UW game. Um, it's I think it's going to be tough uh, for Oregon to to sustain this this Utah offense. Um, Kincaid, Cam Rising, uh, hopefully that I mean I'm not I don't have a horse in the race, but if you're a Ducks fan, you're hoping for a massive defensive hauling. This is supposed to be Dan Lanning specialty. Fix whatever is wrong with this group. Well, in terms of in terms of looking at Oregon, uh, center Alex Forsyth got hurt. And you know, you and I cover USC especially closely in terms of our other media responsibilities. And uh, we know that USC's offensive line has got has been banged up this year. It hasn't really been a smooth ride for the offensive line in terms of health. I mean, now the, the offensive line has performed in my mind really well. You know, to continue to produce at the level that it has, but it, you know, it has not been a hundred percent healthy pretty much since week three, like Cortland Ford got injured. So Oregon's offensive line has been healthy for the balance of the year, but in the Washington game, Forsyth and one other uh, starting offensive lineman got hurt. So no wonder that Oregon scored only 34 points. Now, of course, you know, Bo Nix fumbled inside the Washington five that obviously didn't help, but still, even with, uh, you know, making an occasional mistake, you'd still think that Oregon would be able to score at least 40 uh, on that Washington defense, but scored only 34. And that mattered since, as you noted, you know, the Oregon defense is not, not anything special. So, you know, in, US, in USC, UCLA, there's obviously feeling it's pretty pervasive that it's going to be a shootout. Do you think that Utah, Oregon is basically headed for a shootout? Or do you think that this game veers uh, in a different direction and what, what are kind of like your, your main talking points or your main uh, X factors for this game in terms of uh, what's going to decide the winner? Yeah. I mean, to me, it's, it's the Utah offense versus the Oregon defense. To me, it is whether or not Oregon can, can get it together before they face. Because frankly, I, the, uh, maybe it's me being USC thing. You mentioned the USC offensive line injuries. Um, Bo Nix, again, even at the end of that game with injuries, I thought the offense was moving. A few drops cost them the, the field, uh, the field distance, uh, the yardage. Um, but it's we know the Oregon offense. I frankly feel like the Oregon offense is going to be okay. We know the Utah defense should be legit. It, it's that Utah offense versus that Oregon defense for me. It's Cam Cam rising, connect with Kincaid. Kincaid tore apart. Kincaid looks like. The, the big threat he's tearing apart from the tight end spot linebackers dbs uh can the organ find a solution to him and can they slow down uh this this youth attack that's that's the matchup that wins the game for either side to me so let's look at cam rising and, and utah you know so cam rising played you know an amazing game easily his best game of the year against usc but that was at home and in big road games, remember, he was injured at Washington State uh, on a Thursday night game in late October. Utah put in uh, backup Bryson Barnes, was able to get out of town in, in the Palouse 
uh, with a win because defense was able to shred Washington State's offensive line. Uh, and so Cam Rising has not yet played an elite road game this season. He's done it in his has, career. Has anyone last year? Well, Caleb Williams played a great road game at Utah. So he, Caleb Williams was dynamic in that 43-42 uh, uh, USC loss at Utah. But that's Utah. the key he, word, Matt Zemeck. But he was – but well, that doesn't change the fact that he was elite. He needed a little help from his defense, right? Like that doesn't, that doesn't make Caleb Williams' performance at Utah any less elite. You don't need to tell me. I, I, I believe he's elite, but it's not about the individual player. That's football. No Pac-12 team has been dominant on the road yet. Well, okay, team, no, but but in terms of quarterbacks, like so, Caleb Rising has not played an elite road game. Caleb Williams has, uh, Bo Nix has, like Bo Nix's performance at Washington State, uh, leading his team back from a twelve point deficit in the final four minutes, like that was big time, big boy, uh, brass balls kind of stuff. So we haven't seen that from Cam Rising yet in twenty twenty two. So just you know, if you if I I'm, I am putting you on the spot. You know, is he going to deliver the is goods? Is happen? he going to be the guy again? Or does the Pac-12 road game dynamic, which you pointed out, is that going to trip him up in Eugene and Austin Stadium? Uh, I mean, I, I think also because of the road game atmosphere, uh, they're going to be relying on the running game. Tavion Thomas, hand the ball to him at least 20 times. It's going to make Cam Rising's job easier, too. For the Utah Utes to win their best games, Cam Rising doesn't need to throw 400 yards and five touchdowns like Caleb Williams is going to have to against UCLA. It can be more of that team effort, and they can come away with the win. Or, for instance, even UCLA, we're, we're seeing the best games with Charbonnet, DTR, still putting up four touchdowns. He two in the leg, two in his air. Utah doesn't need that from Cam Rising. They need, they need minimum turnovers. They're probably going to need two to three touchdowns out of him, two touchdowns out of the rushing game, Tavion Thomas. Even if Cam wants to do it on the ground, but he doesn't need to be dominant today for them to win. So clearly, your thought process is that Utah needs more of a ball control formula, whereas in USC UCLA, it's more about you know score, Points. score, score, score. Yeah, yep. yeah. That, that's the difference yep. between the two games. All right, let's look at the other side now. Bo Nix, he, uh, you, know, you briefly referenced, you know, the injury briefly left the game, came back on the final drive. I mean, he was injured late in the fourth quarter. He comes back in for the final drive. His mobility was, I would say, decent, but it wasn't the full Bonex experience because uh, anyone who watched that game noted that Bonex, you know, had some planned quarterback draws up the middle, also some long distance scrambles. He got loose for 20, 25 yards. That version of Bo Nix did not exist for that final drive uh, against Washington. And this is something that I've been talking about with other Oregon insiders, you know, as I preview that game for, you know, as part of my coverage of the Pac-12. Um, if we get that version of Bo Nix, you know, a guy who can still sling the rock, like his throwing arm was not affected by his injury. It was, you know, it was a, it was a knee or maybe a shin injury, you know, that, 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 the pain was barking that, that caused him to leave for a little bit. Um, so his mobility was, yeah, maybe like 65, 70% of what it normally was, but he still had the arm strength and he could still roll out, but like just his straight line speed was greatly diminished. Like that was taken out of play. If that is the version of Bo Nix, Alex, wow, uh, that, that we see against Utah, 
do you think that's enough for Oregon or do we need the full bow? You know, the 100% fuel in the tank bow, uh, you know, that played in the first three quarters of the Washington game before the injury. Mm-hmm. Does Oregon need the mm-hmm. full bow or is 70, 70% of bow, you know, especially his speed, is that going to be enough for Oregon? No, in my, in my opinion, Oregon is one of the teams that needs their QB to, to be big when they win. And, and Bo Nix, that's why he came. That's why he came from Auburn over here. Uh, he, he thought he could be that Ducks guy uh, to really put them over the edge, to deliver the goods consistently. That's what he's going to have to do against Utah. He's going to need to be clean in the air. No turnovers. It hasn't really been a problem. Uh, the mobility has been huge, as you mentioned, even you know last few games. Last game, Washington, before he got hurt, he still had about 10 rushes. I, you know, he was taken off a lot. He scored for the rush, uh, or he rushed for the score. Apologies. Um, Scoring so, is so a rush. Bo Nix, <laughs> uh, Bo, Nix, Bo Nix is one of those guys that his team needs him to show up when they need to play big. All right. On the other side of this, Alex, uh, we're going to do uh... – Pac-12 Heisman contenders, and also Pac-12 bowl and championship game scenarios. But first, hey, college football season is heading into the rivalry games. You know, we talked about this when we uh, advertised for Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. Also, you want a sportsbook for these rivalry games, a sportsbook with integrity and longevity that you can rely on, like BetUS. So did you know that BETUS that U.S. has been a pioneer in the sportsbook industry for over 25 years, thriving and paying their loyal customer base quickly and securely. Well, we want you to you go to say. BET. We want you to go to BETUS.com and take advantage of an offer we have on our shows with College Gridiron Coast to Coast. You'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22 for our special offer. So put $100 in you get an additional $125 to play with. Put in $200, you get $250, and so on. And so we have the NFL, we have uh, the NBA, the NHL, college basketball, now in full swing. You know, the big games are finally here. You're going to have the preseason Thanksgiving tournaments coming up the next two weekends, just a ton of high-end college basketball. So for any of that stuff, also the World Cup getting rolling next week, Hey, you want a, a betting website you can trust for quick, secure, safe uh, online purchases and payments. You know, make all your transactions quickly and easily. BetUS is the place to be. So check them out at BETUS.com. And remember, the 125% match bonus for initial signups with our code COAST22. BetUS, you bet, you win. There's a lot of stuff to bet on these coming weeks in sports and you get paid all right alex mm-hmm. so um mm-hmm. dtr stick a fork in dtr for the heisman so this this leaves us with caleb williams and bo Nix. Where, yep. where do you think they stand and do, and i think here's the basic question is winning the pac-12 championship going to be the thing which elevates one of those two quarterbacks above the other in the heisman ballots when it's all said and done nope uh it's not. I think Bo Nix is – he's not off the radar yet, but he's on the fringes. Caleb is right in the heart of the discussion, I have to say. And I don't know if this – I don't want to think it's my bias again, but, you know, you even mentioned the one loss. He was dominant. 
And I think Lincoln knows, A, he has to put up points to win against UCLA. And the way Notre Dame's coming back, they're frankly going to be top 15 when USC faces them to close out their regular season. That's another opportunity for Lincoln to put up points and not only make the case, hey, my team should be in that top four, but my QB should be on that stage lifting that trophy at the end of the season. Uh, and, and Caleb, we mentioned that he's going to have to put up points. If he puts up another clean game, you know, the interceptions have been rare with him. He threw one last game, uh, but it's been rare. If he can keep playing the five touchdowns, if he can keep winning, if he throws 15 touchdowns and two picks over the next three games, including a Pac-12 championship, I think I think it's hard. I think it's hard not to – I mean, it's impossible, I think, not to put him in the final three and bring him to New York, but it's hard not to put him up on that stage, especially how we've seen a lot of SEC QBs play recently. All right, let me toss out this hypothetical. You know, we're just gaming this out here and get off my pylon. Let's say sure. Caleb Williams plays a great game against UCLA, but – because Alex Grinch's defense gives up 50 billion points, Caleb Williams loses. So that means he doesn't play in the Pac-12 championship game. UCLA would be there, probably against Oregon. And Bo Nix plays well against Utah. He plays well against a good Oregon State defense. And then he plays well in the Pac-12 championship game. So both Caleb and uh, Bo Nix play well. Caleb Williams plays well against Notre Dame. Um, they both play well in their remaining games, but Bo Nix not only gets three games instead of Caleb Williams two, but Bo Nix is playing on that final conference championship weekend while Caleb Williams sits. If we get that scenario, Bo Nix plays three great games, Caleb Williams plays two great games, and Oregon wins the Pac-12 championship. Does I'll tell you exactly that what change the Heisman calculus? I don't know if it changes the Heisman candidates, but it puts me outside Alex Grinch's house for the next three days until USC <laughs> fires him, just protesting. That's where that puts that's, – that's how that dictates reality. President Carol Fultz will be just streamlined. Do people – does the mail system work anymore? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty young. UPS, are they reliable? Can I just flood her with letters? Mike Bone? Yeah, he's going to want to go on vacation for a few weeks. <laughs> um, no, if that if that scenario does happen, I, I think it takes Caleb out of it. I think it does take Caleb out of it purely because the quantity of games, you know, resume, yeah. resume matters. Yeah. So just in terms of the Heisman, being able to beat UCLA and earn that extra game in Las Vegas on Friday, December 2nd, that that is certainly of value for Caleb Williams uh, in the Heisman chase. So it'll be fascinating and to I see think, how it plays I think out. It, it really hammers the point I was talking about, and I think you agreed with me earlier, Lincoln has to know how important this game is and how important it is for him to put up points. He, he knows his defense has been reliable, especially late in the season. He knows the country is watching this, and he knows more specifically, not even the AP anymore, the college playoff selection committee is watching this game. Yeah, and you know, if you ask USC fans, you know, hey, obviously they want to beat both UCLA and Notre Dame in these next two weeks. But like, you know, if you had a choice, like if you were forced to choose, like, you know, obviously, ugh, we have, we're going to lose to Notre Dame, blah, you know, terrible. But if you had to choose, you'd want to win the UCLA game more because it means that you're playing for a conference championship and it means that you're playing an extra game. Uh, you know, Steve Spurrier, the legendary iconic coach at Florida, you know, he would have to play Bobby Bowden in Florida State uh, at the end of the season, Thanksgiving weekend. 
But of course, that's a, that's not a conference game. And so many times the Gators would lose, you know, a big, draining, emotional game to Florida State. And they would have to, you know, just mentally turn the page and then play, you know, Gene Stallings, Alabama or another, you know, elite SEC team in the SEC championship game the week after. And Spurrier was very consistent about saying, hey, we play for championships here at Florida. So, you know, the SEC championship, that is a championship game. That's a game for the ring. Like that's history. That's, that's immortality. And so Lincoln Riley really, you know, entering this two game stretch, obviously he really wants to beat Notre Dame. All USC fans want to beat Notre Dame and send a message to Marcus Freeman. But if you had to choose, and of course USC fans don't want to, and, and like, you know, we want to win both. Like that, that's the USC mentality, of course, and it should be. But if you did have to choose, you know, you have to give up something to get something. You have to have an exchange one for one. It's definitely the UCLA game, which is more important. All right. Winding down the show, mm. Alex. Goal oh, oh, scenario. I thought I was going to Do I have a chance to answer? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Um, go ahead. You, you laid it out beautifully, by the way, because you're right. It's, it's like a Sophie's choice. On the left hand, we go to the Patch Championship. We take down the Bruins. On the right hand, and there's a Twitter account called how long has it been since USC beat Notre Dame? And every day they have tweeted out how long it's been since USC beat Notre Dame. I also feel like Notre Dame fans have this, this false sense of hope since they, they lost to Stanford, which, Hey, you lost to Stanford and, and they've been on a winning streak since then, but I don't really know if it's there to stay. I would love to see us beat Notre Dame. I would also love to see us go to the Pac-12 championship. Uh, I can't answer actually. After all that, I'm going to refuse to answer that. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't say it's an easy choice, but but if you value championships, like USC Notre Dame is a is a rivalry game, but the Pac-12 is a championship, so it's going to be fascinating to see how USC plays these next two weeks because like these are the proving grounds. Like the USC season is going to be remembered by how the Trojans do the next two weeks. All right, Pac-12 bowl talk. So you at the you know UCLA and Oregon took themselves out of the playoff hunt. Like the, I, we should be playing the Masters piano theme uh, right now, Alex Blau. Dun 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 dun. dun. You know it's a tradition unlike any other. Hello, friends. Uh, the Pac-12 <laughs> torching its playoff chances every November. It is just a rite of autumn. So USC yeah. is the one playoff team left, and so. This is like, let's make a deal. Uh, Monty, Monty Hall uh, is hosting the show right now and get off my pylon. Behind door number one, you have the playoff. Behind door number two, you have the Rose Bowl uh, as Pac-12 champion against Michigan. Door number three, you have the Cotton Bowl against possibly like a, a two-loss Tulane or a two-loss UCF. Um, and like We know that the Alamo Bowl and Holiday Bowl would be absolute disasters. Like We don't need to debate that, but like, let's say USC gets door number two, the Rose Bowl, instead of the playoff. Or let's say USC gets the Cotton Bowl, but not the Rose Bowl. You know, it gets into the New Year's Six, um, you know, because it doesn't win the Pac-12, but it, but it's, it, 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 but it doesn't win uh, the Pac-12 championship to go to the Rose or the playoff. You know, if, if it is the Cotton Bowl against the group of five champion, like, to, you know, I have my own opinion on that, but I want to get your opinion. Like right now, if you if if someone told you, Alex, that's going to be USC's postseason destination, do, do you take that deal uh, uh, with Monty Hall, or 
do you say, nope, I, I want to see if we can, you know, uh, make the playoff, go to the Rose Bowl, but knowing that in terms of that deal, you, you know, if you, if you, if you give up the Cotton Bowl, you might go to the Alamo or Holiday, but you want the chance to go to the Rose uh, or the playoff, most likely the Peach Bowl against Georgia. But let's, let's play, mm, yeah. uh, let's make a deal here. Um, before the season, if you had come to me with these, with these offers, uh, I, I probably would have, I probably would have accepted just because I would have thought, hey, this is Lincoln's first year. Um, all summer, Colin Coward's been saying, hey, you can only fix one side of the ball, one side of the ball, which appears to be true. But damn, that side is fixed. Um, now, if you're coming to me with those offers, and you, which 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 offer do I, am I settling with? Door two right now. That's 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 door two is the Rose this. Bowl. So like, but but door oh, three so is I'm, the cotton. So you're offering me door, door three, three is right the now. cotton. Door three is the cotton. So like, do you take door number three, or do you hold out for the possibility that you could get the playoff of the Rose, knowing that that means that the Alamo and Holiday could be you know the worst case scenarios, or like like if you could sign on the dotted line for a guaranteed Cotton Bowl right now, do you take that deal? I don't. I don't like that deal, Matt Zemek. I think I'm. I think I'm going to door number one and and pounding, and just making them an offer they can't refuse. You know what I mean? I I, I think USC the fan base right now, and particularly knowing what the it's it's the rivals that are coming up. I don't think there's a single USC fan who plans to lose these games. I think I think the USC community is all in on the Rose Bowl or or the playoff four. It's really interesting as we look uh, at the larger Pac-12 bowl landscape, you know, these UCLA and Oregon losses are so damaging because, you know, let's say just for the sake of uh, argument or just for the sake of constructing our hypothetical, that it's UCLA and Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game, or, or for that matter, any combination at this point in the Pac-12 championship game, you know, the loser is going to pick up an extra loss. And so USC is the only one loss team in the Pac-12. That means that if USC loses, you know, every Pac-12 team uh, as going into the bowl season uh, is going to have at least two losses in that landscape. It's hard to see. Uh, it's hard to see the, the Pac-12 getting more than one team into the New Year's Six. Oh, um, yeah. The playoffs, that, the playoff, that, USC right now is the only playoff hope for the Pac-12. No it's doubt the only playoff hope, but, but talking about the New Year's Six, like you, UCLA and Oregon left themselves with no margin for error in the New Year's Six because they both have two, uh, two, losses, two losses on the season. If they pick up a third loss, like there's no way they're getting into the New Year's Six. And I don't think Washington has enough juice. Washington is uh, eight and two. No, I don't no, see. No, I don't no, see no, a lane no. for the Huskies into the New Year's Six. I mean, may, you know. They might be able to backdoor into the top twelve, you know, which is where you you're can, being generous, man. You have you have a slight at large uh, chance, but like Washington's not going to jump in the rankings based on uh, Colorado and Washington State, the last few games uh, on the schedule. Um, so it really does seem as though if you know the Pac-12 champion, obviously, will either go to the playoff or the Rose, uh, and then but if in terms of a second New Year's Six team, USC really is the only team with a chance because utah also has two losses so like if the utes lose again they're out of the year six usc is mm -hmm. the only usc is not only the only playoff hopeful but it's also the only team that can get to the new year's six with one more loss like usc finishing 10 and 2 
with a win over Notre Dame, that might be enough. It's going to be a close call, but it might be enough to get into the New Year's Six and that Cotton Bowl. Pac-12 not only played its way out of the playoff, and certainly with UCLA and Oregon, USC being the one hope alive, but the Pac-12 also cost itself representation in the New Year's Six, which, you know, if you look at the past decade, that's been a real problem for the conference, not just the playoff misses, but having only one team in the New Year's Six every year, you know, the SEC is going to get at least three and very probably four. Um, certainly, you know, certainly, certainly the SEC is going to get Georgia, Tennessee, and Alabama into the New Year's Six. You might have a 10 and 2 Ole Miss. And of course, if LSU beats Georgia, LSU would be automatically qualified for the Sugar Bowl if it doesn't even get into the playoff, which would be a possibility. We don't know, but you know, if, if LSU beats Georgia in the SEC title game, the SEC is getting four New Year's six at large teams. So that would be bad news for the Pac-12 runner-up. Um, there's there really would be no path for the Pac the Pac-12 runner-up to get into the New Year's six and the Cotton Bowl. So it's uh, you know, again, play the Masters piano theme song at the Pac-12. <laughs> you know, we had been avoiding this for two and a half months, Alex, but we finally got that mid-November Pac-12 cannibalization torching its best interests, you know, losing a lot of money uh, and exposure. Uh, it's, you know, it's a sad You regret. know what? I'll say it as a Trojan fan. Thank, thank the Ducks for Marcus Mariota, keeping that Pac-12 reputation alive. That's right. I mean, that is, that is the only national championship game appearance in the college football playoff era. Because yeah. we then had Washington making it in 2016 to the playoff but losing that in the semifinals. So, yeah, the Pac-12 has one national title game appearance in the playoff era. Thank you, Marcus Mariota. not go well. Indeed. All right, Alex, uh, just final uh, predictions on showdown Saturday, USC, UCLA, and Utah, Oregon. Final prediction, I think uh, USC – I'll give you. I'll give you margin, not exact points. I'm going to see USC ten to fourteen point victory, and I'll give the Utah Utes. I'm going to give them a a three point victory, three or four. They're either they're either up by a touchdown and, and Oregon gets a field goal, or they go up by a field goal. All right, now that would give us a USC Utah Pac-12 championship game. What's the championship game matchup just, you know, just as a football connoisseur? I mean, I know that you're a USC student, but uh, just in terms of a lover of football and like, what's the sexiest matchup, the matchup that you just absolutely cannot wait to see which cross pollination, uh, uh, you know, of these mat possible matchups would you think would make for the best television? Best television. I would. I, best viewing I would experience. Have to... Best viewing experience, I feel like, would probably be Oregon versus USC because of the headlines. I think it's easier to point to the two guys who are leading it. I think, you know, you have the Heisman, you have the Heisman conversation that we've been talking about, but also it's because you know USC and Oregon have proved to go through their quarterbacks, unlike Utah. Um, so I, I think I would be leaning towards the Oregon USC matchup. But if it's Utah USC again, it gives USC a chance to say, hey. Remember that one loss we have by one point that nobody seems to let us forget? We got our revenge. Yeah, and, and you know, for anyone who's listening who is a UCLA or Utah fan, hey, 
UCLA Utah would be a hell of a football game. I, you can't go wrong with any. Yeah, whatever, whatever, Matt Samick. <laughs> you you can't go wrong just as a lover of football with any of these matchups, and that's why Pac-12 Showdown Saturday uh, is going to be so special. One reminder for listeners as you prepare to view these two huge Pac-12 games, you know there is a bit of a stagger. This is another part of how awful this schedule is with the uh, USC-UCLA game starting at 8 Eastern and Utah-Oregon starting at 10.30. Well, you can do the math there. So the, the, the US, USC-UCLA game is going to be in the fourth quarter while the first and early second quarter are played in Utah-Oregon. Um, so you, like, if you want to hang on for the finish of USC-UCLA, you're going to have to miss like an hour, the first hour uh, you know, in real time of Utah-Oregon. The Pac-12 television contracts, you know, one of the worst, uh, you know, you know, oil and water, um, you know, Elizabeth Taylor, Richard Burton, you know, the, the most mismatched heirs in history. Um, it's, it's unfortunate the Pac-12 you know, deal is such a disservice we'll just, to yours. We'll just hope for an early USC blowout win and, and then everyone can just change the channel. You know what I mean? Well, that is that is one possibility, but uh, with that USC defense, I certainly would expect it. Okay, <laughs> I don't know. Alex, I know you have a really busy schedule, and I know you have some big things going on in your life. So, thank you for giving an hour to me and to get off my oh. pylon, part of the Matt, College Bridgeon Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Alex, the best of luck this week, not just for USC UCLA, but uh, in other things going on off the field. Thank you, sir. You as well. All right, we'll see you next week to review Showdown Saturday right here on Get Off My Pylon.